0: Hi, I'm Brent Stafford, and this is RegWatch by RegulatorWatch.com. Joining us today to unpack the big news in vaping over the past few weeks, including the FDA's decision to grant its first marketing authorization for a nicotine vaping product is Charles Gardner, executive director at INCO, and I dare say one of the most incisive voices in the world of tobacco harm reduction. Charles, thanks for coming back on the show. Uh,
1: Glad to see you again, Brent. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Oh, of course. So first off, Charles, tell our viewers about INCO. What is the organization and how are you fighting the good fight on behalf of Safer Nicotine Products?
1: Okay, INCO is a nonprofit organization and we have 37 member organizations all over the world. Our membership is growing most rapidly now in Africa and Latin America. We have members uh, all over Europe and in Southeast Asia and obviously North America. Uh, All of our member organizations are run by people who are ex-smokers. None of them are paid. So this is a a volunteer organization. Uh, So INCO supports the rights of 98 million ex-smokers around the world who use safer nicotine in order to avoid toxic forms of tobacco. And... uh, one of the things that most concerns us is that our voices need to be heard. Just well, like people who have HIV, just like the voices of, of, of people uh, with mental health problems, our voices need to be heard as well.
0: No, well, absolutely. I mean, that's got to be one of the hardest things is to crack through what seems to be an, in, an impenetrable uh, mainstream media kind of blockade on safer nicotine products.
1: Well, I mean, we're we're often accused of working for big tobacco, but my own surveys of my community show that most of us hate big tobacco. Like this is the thing that we're trying to get away from, and uh, so that so yeah, it's, it's a very strange field.
0: True, true. So let's jump into the news uh, from this week. After five long years, the FDA is finally determined that the marketing for a single vaping product, the View Solo, which is owned by the RJ Reynolds Vapor Company, and two of their tobacco flavored e-liquids is appropriate for the protection of public health and thus can be on the market. Charles, what do you make of that?
1: So first of all, Inco Inco is not promoting e-cigarettes. What we're promoting is safer nicotine to help people not die. And so I think there's a larger context here because uh, beginning in 2020, the FDA has authorized now 12 products that are in the category of safer nicotine products that are not medicines, so they're consumer products, and this includes eight uh, uh, snus products, one heat not burn product, and now these three new uh, e-cigarette products, and, and basically uh, each one is a little different in the way they've been authorized, but, but um, the They're very careful to say, we're not saying these things are safer, but they're saying these things are safer because, well, at least they're saying they will deliver uh, much lower toxins than than a cigarette would. It's, It's really hard to interpret that any other way other than safer. Snus, the manufacturer with the eight products is now allowed to tell their customers, if you switch from smoking to this product, it will lower your risk of all of these smoking related diseases the heat not burn product is allowed to tell their customers if you switch from smoking to this product. I mean, so this is a different kind of authorization than the e-cigarette just got. Um, You will lower your toxins. So the e-cigarette is, is authorized through the PMTA process, which is just supposedly a lower bar. So it's appropriate for the protection of public health.
0: Now, so what, tell us about this Views product for some of our viewers that might not be familiar with it. I know that I'm not, at least here in Canada, I've not seen that product before. I mean, it seems to be like a cigalite, like a kind of a lightweight kind of a product.
1: But it's a nicotine salt product, uh, which a lot of the anti-vapors are re- really concerned about. But that means it delivers the nicotine with a pharmacokinetic profile that's, that's a little bit closer to an e-cigarette, which means it might make it somewhat more effective um, as, uh, as a smoking cessation tool. Um, on the other hand, uh, yeah, I've been in stores, I've never seen it, so uh, their more popular product is something called the Views Alto, but I, I understand that they actually have four e-cigarette products and i have been trying to get sales data but i think it's proprietary so i I would like to know what percentage of their sales is uh is this new solo um because you can then wrap that into the data on teen vaping and what we know about teen use of the use products
0: now with the heat not burn product the icos product uh the pmi product I mean that was that was some decent good news they were, basically they were being granted the bil- the ability to go out and make some claims around their product that it was better for you than smoking at least you know how the FDA is it's hard to really know exactly what you're allowed to say but the whole point is is that you're allowed to get out there and and make some positive statements about your product which thankfully that is a good that is good news Got a question, though, I thought, I mean, we curated a piece in spring of this year that there was some kind of a patent dispute going on with, um, I think it was R.J. Reynolds just recently won something with the U.S., the ITC uh, ruling. So now is the ICO's products can't even be imported into the United States? Is that Do I have that right?
1: Yeah, so I'm, I'm not an expert on the trade issues, uh, Brent, so I, I, I'm going to punt on that because uh, I have I have followed that a little bit, but I, my sense was well, we'll just let them work that out. Sure. The, the thing that's worth pointing out here is that uh, all the data that's available, and I I think that even the manufacturer of ICOs would say um, would agree. You know, the those products, the heat not burn, is it, it's probably at least ninety percent safer than smoking. And what's really stunning is that all of the data seems to indicate in terms of toxicology and human biomarker studies that e-cigarettes are consistently much, much safer than that. So in some ways, okay, PMI, big company, lots of money, they have very, very deep pockets and they can go through this this regulatory hurdle to get their their product, their heat not burn uh, authorized. although it did take, I don't know how long, three, four years to to do it. And mountains and mountains and mountains of data to do it, which no small non-tobacco company can do. Um, And so so here you've got these uh, e-cigarette makers and the liquid makers who have applied, like FDA got 6 million applications. Um, And the irony here, Brent, is that This is a much higher bar, much more difficult regulatory hurdle than the FDA substantial equivalence for the introduction of a new deadly cigarette to the market. So it's it's easier to introduce a new cigarette that kills people to the market than it is to introduce an e-cigarette.
0: So one of the things I'm just going to throw this out at you, if you can definitely punt on this, because I find it just strange that, you know, within a two week period that RJ Reynolds effectively gets its competitor, the the largest competitor is the closest product uh, to not be able to access the US market. And then a week later, FDA approves them as the very first vaping product. Now I know that's the world of conspiracies, but still yet though, it's odd.
1: Well, so companies compete, um, and if they can pull the other company, their competitor down, they will, and that's just the way, you know, uh, capitalism works, um, w- which it's worth pointing out here that most people in the field of public health have never taken an economics course, um, and uh, so issues like supply, demand, and profits, and uh, product substitution and declining marginal returns on added investments and taxes and bans and stigma doesn't make a lot of sense to them. But you know, these companies will try to kill each other because that's that's what they do. Um, I don't think that the FDA is you know playing favorites here. I think that they. So what I would say is what they've done I mean in the most favorable view is they've um, they've sent up a trial balloon or they you know they raised raised a flag to see if anybody salutes it so they they took uh, a product that very few adults use and by my calculations less than 1 in 4000 teens use right so so it's a cigalike it's a tobacco flavor only uh, and you can just look at the the data that we have from the national youth tobacco survey 2021 and and which also includes the percentage of teens who vape who say that their brand is views and then you have to subtract from that you know because most of that's views alto it's not the Vuse solo which is what's authorized that there are no teens using this thing um so they, they took the safest possible product and it's they're still getting you know massive complaints uh from congress and from the american uh lung association and from some of the uh bloomberg philanthropies funded ngos which all hate e-cigarettes so it's um it's, it's very predictable the response
0: yeah if they had come out uh authorizing juul Uh, right out of the gate, that might be a a big problem for them.
1: Uh, There'd be a lot of screaming there. So, I mean, yeah. I mean, the irony here is that according to the National Youth Tobacco Survey, uh, teens are half as likely to use Juul now as they are to use a Vuse e-cigarette product. So both of, both, of which, both of which are illegal for teens,
0: by the way. Right, exactly. Of course, they shouldn't be using these products anyhow. But yet, they're, we're going to regulate these products based on their illegal use. Ay schmear. Now, uh, before we dive into the teen stuff, um, I'd like to just mention on the FDA with with this marketing authorization, and they actually use the same language in the ICO authorization, and basically. They say that the requirements in this order are intended to help ensure that the marketing of your products will continue to be appropriate for the protection of the public health, taking into account initiation among non-users, particularly youth. And so what I've been getting a lot out of, and in Canada too as well, is this concern for adults who have never smoked who may decide to pick up vaping, and that's going to be seen as a very bad mark uh, from the regulator on the product. And what do you think about that? Because it seems to me that's just wide open for regulatory abuse.
1: No, I think that's very alarming, and I agree with you that in my reading of the authorization is one of the things that stands out for me. This idea that you cannot use a safer nicotine product unless you have first smoked is i mean just on the face of it a kind of crazy thing so okay i'm i'm attracted to nicotine i use nicotine right so because it increases my focus and attention it's a nootropic cognitive enhancer and reduces stress and anxiety and i'm fine with that and i also drink coffee in the morning but um but the idea that i would have to go through a phase where I I smoke a deadly product first before I switch to vaping, Uh, a safer nicotine product is crazy. And if if we, it's most pertinent to the issue of young adults, because the young adult uh, smoking rate has, has plummeted. It's the lowest it's been in whatever, like 50 years. And, uh, and so the, the, proportion of young adults who are vaping nicotine now is is slowly creeping up. And you can only assume that those are people who would have smoked a deadly cigarette if e-cigarettes did not exist. Uh, This is in fact an inevitable thing that will happen. And you'll see a shift where because the smoking rate is coming down, 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 and even dual use is going down which is another one of the bugaboos of of the anti vaping league which is oh the, you know, everybody's a dual user no no the trend is that's reducing and it would and it would drop faster if there wasn't so much misinformation it would drop faster if the misinformation had not now succeeded in having 60% of american smokers think that e-cigarettes are just as harmful as smoking. Now, think about nicotine gum, right? Which is lovingly made by Big Pharma, and lovingly approved by the Food and Drug Administration. Well, you know, what if that was only available in tobacco flavor, uh, it, which it isn't, there, there is no tobacco flavor. What if it was made more, uh, you know, uh, more costly with taxes? and what if there was a massive propaganda campaign to make most smokers believe that nicotine gum was just as harmful as smoking nobody would use it and it would help no one quit smoking uh, you know i don't know why we can't make this transition uh, among these tobacco harm reduction products because look at the look at the in the small print on an, a, po- a box of nicotine gum there are a lot of side effects this is a tobacco harm reduction product. It's not safe. It's safe for, sorry, I'm getting. Well, no, I mean, now.
0: that. that's worth really hammering that home. Um, you were talking about oh, the wait, wait,
1: wait. nicotine gum. It comes in fruit medley fla- fra- flavor, cinnamon, mint and menthol flavor. It does, not, it, the pharmaceutical industry does not make it in, you know, cancer stick flavor. Because no smoker who wants to quit would ever buy that.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, you're pointing out a hypocrisy. And I mean, I, I if you wanted to do that on every instance, you know, you would just be up like every day for several years, just, you know, pointing it out. You know, uh, who's that? Roche Foucault said that uh, hypocrisy is the tribute that vice pays to virtue. And somewhere in there, I swear, public health is locked in a really crazy world of of dealing with vice and virtue. And I think they've got things backwards.
1: Well, I mean, that gets us to the Baptists and bootleggers, right? Because the, 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 the firms, the companies that are going to benefit over the coming year as deadly cigarette sales increase, which is my prediction, they will are the tobacco companies. It, the, the profit margin on a cigarette is 60% folks. Profit margin on an e-cigarette is almost nil because it, there, there was up until the FDA got involved, fierce competition in that field. And so it, it's, not a, it's not a big winning hand for the tobacco industry to, to move into and acquire vape companies.
0: We're going to jump in, like I said, to the to the teen stats here. Very next question. But it brings me to something you had said in our pre-interview regarding innovation and what would happen, say, if the FDA was in charge of regulating automobiles.
1: Yeah, I, I just said that if the FDA was in charge of regulating automobiles, we would all still be driving Model Ts. The thing is, you know, people are afraid of innovation. It's new. It's new stuff, and and you know we we we, have, we need to wait thirty years to see if it's safe. Well, uh, the the fact is that our regulatory system has uh, has has had a big impact on automobile safety, right? So there's a positive influence, and they've encouraged innovation to make cars safer. So if you look at the stats now, you'll see that that deaths per mile driven in the United States have plummeted steadily since the 1920s. And this is because cars got safer because the manufacturers made them safer. And you know airplanes get safer too, but basically any consumer product um, that you can think of, things get safer when, when comp- companies tend to prefer not to kill their customers. So, uh, so, you know, you want innovation to happen. Now the safer nicotine product category involves a lot of innovation right now and public health people are extremely conservative and they're not comfortable with that. And okay. So what has the FDA done? They basically, they've froze the entire product category of e-cigarettes in 2006. So any new product doesn't matter if it was safer, the liquid was safer, the device was safer, uh, the lithium-ion battery was safer. Uh, you couldn't do anything with that. So this new um, Vue Solo, it's you know, it's an old, it's an old product. Um, we, we need to have a regulator. A regulator. <laughs> I put the wrong emphasis on that. We need a regulator that encourages innovation to improve product safety, and we need safety standards. It's a lot simpler than than this, you know, massive dupl- duplicative regulatory process that the FDA has created for safer uh, nicotine vapes and and other safer nicotine products.
0: So walk us through. I have a slide here from your Twitter feed, which is uh, CDC, FDA, National Youth Tobacco Survey. You put the the graphics up side by side. Walk us through this.
1: Right. So uh, I mean, this was apparent when the CDC uh, in the morbidity and mortality uh, weekly report just last week announced the new findings from the 2021 National Youth Tobacco Survey. So here we have uh, about 11% of uh, US high school students are, are vaping even once in the past 30 days, which they strangely call current use, even though the definition of current use for adults is daily or regular use. So there are two different definitions. So 11% is a dramatic fall from 2019. when, um, When teen vaping increased in 2018, the FDA produced screaming infographics showing the massive percentage increase uh in in teen vaping in 2018 in 2019 they went with this uh we'll just tell them oh this is whopping huge five million but that was the peak of teen vaping that was the peak of what i would call a fad um then that's a big number but but more than half of that is is very infrequent use uh you know, we're being being given numbers that are not really relevant to teen health. The relevant numbers are frequent use, which probably implies you own and buy products, and daily use, which might imply you may be hooked or dependent. And those numbers have never been high. So 2019, 5.7% daily use. So the, the point I was making in that infographic is that teen vaping just dropped 60 percent, folks it's dropped by two-thirds in two years it's a stunning drop it's not what you would expect of you know use of a highly addictive substance and it means that teens just decided to stop vaping the fad's over right and from the monitoring the future survey we also know Part of this drop is, is during the pandemic. Okay. Well, that's because they couldn't get access. No, because teen drinking alcohol consumption and teen pot smoking did not drop at all. It's not an access issue. It's a choice made by teens. There's less vaping, but so here's the thing. So I just went back to the infographics that the FDA produced in 2019, 2020 and 2021. It's very clear 2019 5 million. 2020, 3.6 million. And now 2021, it's 2 million. That's a 60% drop. This is not up for debate, but it has not made a single headline. It has not appeared in a single news report in the entire country of the United States. It was not what was the lead in the press releases and messaging out of the FDA and the CDC. It's a stunning drop. And Nobody in America, in the general public, knows that this just happened. It, it's it's um,
0: well, disturbing. and maybe it's and well, no, it is disturbing. I and I totally agree with you, and thank you for that, Charles. So here's an example. This is maddening. Is the fact that on the exact same day you have Michael Bloomberg coming out uh, with a with a Bloomberg opinion piece that he penned. And it says right up at the top, teen vaping has reached epidemic proportions. I mean, that's that is of the highest weight of propaganda ever that, that I could possibly even say. And so not only is the story not getting out, but they're lying. Uh,
1: so by hiding the by hiding this massive decline. Um, it allows people to go, to continue to go back to that 2019 data where teen vaping peaked and to say, oh, look at this huge amount and it's increased from from whatever 2014. And um, but members of Congress are doing this. Uh, members of Congress are even misinterpreting that third 2021 FDA infographic, by the way, which which hides in very small print, it says among teens who are current e-cigarette users. And then in massive, it's in the bottom right, in massive bold print, it says one in four are vaping daily. So so there have been news reports and and members of Congress making statements that they, they actually believe because they've misunderstood this. Even the FDA, one of the communications people at the FDA tweeted out that one in 14s are vaping. It couldn't be farther from the truth one in 33 are vaping daily. Uh, and so it's, uh, it's profoundly different, but the FDA even fooled its own communications people, but they fooled members of Congress and they fooled uh, a number of people, uh, journalists uh, you know, in the media. And so, yeah, it's, a, it's all very disheartening because well, the numbers are actually very clear. Teen current use today is basically one out of 10. That means nine out of 10 are not vaping at all. And it's been a 60% drop since 2019. And if you wanna be concerned about frequent use, which is 20 or more days per month, those are the ones that probably the only ones that may be actually owning a device and buying a product. That's dropped, that's also plummeted, and it's 4.9% now. And daily use today is three percent, one out of thirty-three. And those I would not even assume that all of those are hooked or dependent. Because I because I would not assume that a teen who has a single beer every single night for 30 days is an alcoholic, nor nor would I assume that of any human being. If if I have one beer every night, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm not addicted to alcohol. So so we don't know that all daily users are addicted. Uh, Matt Myers, who's head of the campaign for tobacco-free kids, uh, was just on the radio the other day saying that 40% of current users are dependent. I don't know where he's getting that.
0: that yeah, that's an incredible number. Um, it's almost.
1: I think he was just going with frequent use and using that as the proxy for dependence. But there are very... Uh, well tested um, questionnaires that determine, and originally from smoking, right? You know, do you have a cigarette the first thing when you wake up in the morning? There are very well tested questionnaires that have been modified for e cigarettes that can tell whether someone is dependent. And nobody's asking the basic question how many teens are actually physically measurably dependent? And I can tell you the number is tiny.
0: Tobacco control has had like a, a zero-use policy long before there was the zero-COVID co- policy. I, this is, I think, a bit of a sick-twisted uh, kind of a time because they've frozen the the data and they are saying because of COVID, the only reliable numbers that we actually have are from 2019 before uh, uh, the epidemic had gone away. Like, it's just, what do you do? How can How can you say... To anybody that's involved in this mess that um there's could possibly be a rational approach to vaping when the regulator is ignoring their own numbers that are going down like so they're basically saying we don't believe what our own numbers are telling us
1: i don't know brent i mean the first message i have for everyone is that teens should not vape um and and they should not drink alcohol and they should not smoke pot and and they should not use illicit drugs and other adult products. Um, and all of which, all of which they do much more than vaping, right? They, uh, teen alcohol use is 37%. All right. And according to the monitoring, the future survey, uh, 12% of teens are drinking flavored alcohol. I've never heard anybody say we should ban flavored alcohol. In fact, they've just added that. So maybe they will. They've just added that question to the Monitoring the Future Survey questionnaire uh, uh, last year. And so there are more teens drinking flavored alcohol than there are teens vaping at all, right? That's incredible. And and 16% of teens are binge drinking, report binge drinking in the past two weeks and according to the CDC that causes 3,500 deaths and 119,000 emergency room visits every single year. And alcohol advertising is legal. Flavors are legal. There are thousands of alcohol flavors. Just go check it out on online or in your store. Um, it's a very different attitude. I mean, like alcohol is literally killing children. And I, I'm not aware of e-cigarettes or or nicotine vapor doing that.
0: That's well said. I have nothing to add to that. So let's jump to a blog post that you made, which was excellent blog post that you did on your guy on Inco site. Smoke and Mirrors Orwellian Echoes of nineteen eighty four. The WHO promotes doublespeak. What does that mean?
1: So our attention right now in INCO is focused on the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control. Now, this is the world's first and so far only uh, public health treaty with 101 uh, uh, countries on board with this treaty now. And uh, the Framework Convention on, so let's call it the FCTC, um, is, is generally run by a secretariat. It's not, it's not actually technically part of the World Health Organization although their offices are within the headquarters of the WHO. And uh, and they they feed a lot of information into the World Health Organization statements and reports. So uh, in preparation for their conference of parties, the ninth conference of parties on the Framework Convention on Tobacco Control, which is going to take place on the 8th of November of this year uh, the, the secretariat has put up a number of documents that are, are considered background documents for the delegates to the convention, and the last one dropped just a few weeks ago, and it focuses on the classification of what they call new and emerging tobacco products. All right. So, so to begin with, we're dealing with products that contain no tobacco. They're talking about e-cigarettes and heat. Uh, well, heat-not-burn does contain tobacco. This includes e-cigarettes that contain no tobacco, so they they, they need to be called tobacco products because tobacco is bad, and um, and that helps people to understand that these new products are bad. Uh, but a lot of this document focuses on uh, a completely novel argument. It raises the question. Uh, is liquid vapor smoke? And it answers its own question and says, yes. And here's why. And so it's a kind of, okay, smoke is bad. Smoke, tobacco smoke is bad. It kills people. So that's bad. And so tobacco must be bad and tobacco companies must be bad. And so smoke is bad. And now vapor We need to call it smoke, and so everybody will, it'll be easier for people to understand that nicotine vapor is bad, and it's a kind of doublespeak, uh, which is coined by George Orwell in his book, 1984, Uh, you know, lies are truth, and freedom is slavery, and, 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 you know, on and on. It's a, it's a method, it's a means of thought control. And I, I find that very disturbing.
0: Well, I mean, I know that since the first time that we started covering this issue, it, the, the language thing has always been front and center for us. I mean, to call something tobacco when it's not tobacco. I mean, to, to call a piece of plastic tobacco uh, in order to achieve a regulatory outcome. It was insane I, and-
1: so even even a, a, a battery for um, an, for a, a nicotine vaping device mod which obviously it's a lithium-ion battery it obviously has no tobacco in it it doesn't even have any nicotine in it but it needs it, it, it's considered a tobacco product and it needs to bear that warning that they put on uh, cigarettes you know warning this product contains nicotine nicotine is a highly addictive chemical right? It's, it's, it's lunacy.
0: I've got the uh, document uh, that you were talking about here, uh, courtesy of your blog post. I recommend anybody, everybody to go to that blog post. Um, they can find it on your website, right?
1: Yes, I, I think so. Or they can find it on my tweets, Excellent. Um, but you know, look, look for my name and or Chauncey, right. And uh, Orwellian. But so so here you know these are new products so, so it, would, it would be useful to have everybody use the same words for them but not even people in the research community are, have have settled on this the same language the only people really using this electronic nicotine delivery system oblique slash non-nicotine delivery system um, uh, abbreviation that, is the WHO and those of us in the community of ex-smokers who use cipher nicotine, we don't like ENDS, electronic nicotine delivery devices. We, we regard that as, as a, as language imposed upon us by our colonizers, basically. Um, and, and, the same is, is true of this kind of new language that, um, the FCTC secretariat and, and the world health organization are playing with talk to us. Find out the language we use, and use that language. Otherwise, everything you give to the public is going to be a miscommunication and misleading.
0: Yeah, I mean, it. it this, it, you know, it doesn't look good for vaping when you see going into this COP nine that they're trying to redefine smoke. I mean, we're talking about the, the key things here, right? Because. It's got implications then on the argument they've been trying to make when it comes to the secondhand smoke issue. They've been outright, you know, dissembling on that issue now for some time, trying to get people to believe that secondhand vape vapor is got some, you know, deadly implications like they did, like they say with secondhand smoke. So it's only going to make it easier for them to make that argument if vapor becomes smoke.
1: Controlling the language. Um, you know, it was uh, an essential part of the thought control and, and population control in the nation of Oceania in, in the novel 1984. And uh, so, uh, you know, it's, it's clearly what's going on here. Uh, so if a if any product that contains nicotine is a tobacco product, then, um, you know, as many wags have said, it, you know, is the dietary supplement of, you know, potassium pills? Is that a banana product? Right? And if, if you if you actually look at the argument they're using, to claim that liquid vapor is smoke, that means that, you know, when you go out on a, a, a cold winter day, and exhale, your normal breath and you you see vapor, that that should be called smoke. And it means when you put the the kettle, you know, the teapot on the stove and the steam starts to come out of there, that we'd need to call that smoke, too. But nobody calls that smoke. It's steam, Um, steam or vapor. And So, so, uh, I mean, there has to be an end to this kind of uh, madness, actually.
0: I'm going to ruin the rest of your day here. Uh, so, quite a bit of progress had been made around tobacco harm reduction. Certainly, when the 15 past presidents of the uh, Science for uh, Research on Nicotine and Tobacco came out, pretty much, you know, in you know, in favor of vaping products to a certain extent. I would say a large extent, right? And then you had the Truth yeah, addition-
1: I mean, let let me just. In- be rude and intrude here and just say that is the most important publication in the past six years in the entire field of tobacco harm reduction. And again, hasn't made a single headline, hasn't reached any major uh, uh, media outlet. This is 15 past presidents of the world's top professional society in tobacco control. And they've come out actually quite strongly uh, with a fully referenced argument uh, that, you know, these gizmos, they're talking about e-cigarettes, are safer and they help smokers quit. Now, if, if both of those arguments are true, then nicotine vaping
0: is profoundly
1: different from a recreational drug like alcohol or caffeine. Anyway, so... I well, no, I, I mean,
0: I'm, no, I'm really glad you did uh, hammer that home because it did get some response. It actually dragged the opposition truth initiative out. In September, they felt compelled. Uh, they actually referenced uh, that work and they came out um, and explained why harm, tobacco harm reduction is not what we all think that it is and that it is something sinister and much different uh, that we've got, I I curated the whole uh, post. Like, look at, I've not seen that much come out. I mean, it made a difference. It made an impact because it forced opposition uh, into this mode. If you go up to regulatorwatch.com, you can just search for truth, harm, and you'll get the uh, this uh, product that they've put together. I'd like to get your response to it because this clearly is a reaction to the 15 past presidents.
1: Right, so let's let's talk about harm reduction. You know, it means reducing harm. It's pretty simple. And um, if you look at any document that comes out of the FCTC Secretariat or the World Health Organization, and just do a search for the that those two words, harm reduction, you will never see those two words uh, uh, except in the same sentence or in a an adjacent sentence to the, to another two words, industry interference. So that's the argument that uh, very conservative public health tobacco control people have been using is that harm reduction is basically an evil plot by the tobacco industry. Now, the, the truth initiatives to be honest and fair, uh, their new statement on harm reduction is a bit more nuanced than the World Health Organization's is. They begin by saying, "Yeah, we embrace harm reduction, and uh, you know, it, it, it's, it's really good." But then they go on to say um, that we embrace it, but we want to medicalize it. Uh, so th- this is a it's a different framework from the framework that people who use safer nicotine have. We don't think we're diseased. We don't think we're sick. And we don't think we need to be cured, but a lot of, um, a lot of people in public health uh, think otherwise. And so then harm reduction is then okay. I mean, as I said earlier, nicotine patches and nicotine gum and nicotine lozenges, they're also tobacco harm reduction products. So that's, this is their, the, the thinking at, at Truth Initiative to the extent that they have anybody who's a real public health person working there. And uh and, and so they're saying harm reduction is good, but we but it really needs to be medicalized and heavily regulated. And the implication is it maybe needs to be by prescription only. We need to keep it out of the hands of children, et cetera, et cetera.
0: You well, know, it's uh disheartening to say the least. So Charles, just last question then for you, and we'll wrap up. What's next for Inco?
1: Well, we have, uh, we have a lot of activity coming up around the um, starting on November 8th. Uh, the, the first day of cop nine of the FCTC, right? So this is the conference of parties to this. Uh, uh, and this is a, a meeting that only happens every two years. So you got to wait for the next one in 2023. Um, so we, we need to have our voices heard. A lot of our focus is on that. There will be physical activity in London, uh, meeting on Parliament Square in, in the heart of London, right next to the Houses of Parliament, and some other activities. At the same time, because we know that a lot of people will not be able to join us there, we're asking people around the world, all of our members and, and everyone who wants to get on board with this, and I, I'm sorry I don't have the prop here with me, but to get Get a little tea light which is a little led thing it looks like a candle and uh so this is no combustion right it's a little led light make a photograph of yourself and say something about yourself as an ex-smoker and what safer nicotine has done to help you quit and how your health has improved or whatever you want to say um, I quit, I, I smoked for 40 years and I, and I couldn't, I tried everything else to quit and finally quit with, you know, raspberry, blueberry flavor, whatever. And, and do that. All of our member organizations will be trying to do something. We'll be have video feeds, we'll be feeding into a 24, a, five, a um, uh, uh a live kind of live cast with one of our affiliate members named Kafra in Asia. And we'll have our own feed going up on YouTube and, and so on. But basically, this is a, this is a, a time, an important time for people who use safer nicotine to try to have our voices heard, to try to break through the echo chamber. Uh, and uh, so, a lot more will be coming out of uh, Inco. You can you know follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, uh, check us out on on YouTube. Uh, the, those are all the usual things you say, uh, be, but, but there will be updates on this uh, on this stuff and, and how you can participate as well. Um, and uh, since you're in Canada, we have a, a member organization in Canada. I'm in the United States right now. We have a very big member organization named CASA in the United States. If you're in the United States and and rattled by what's going on with the FDA uh, now, at, Join Kassa.